0: In-depth journalism is more important than ever in a complicated, chaotic time.
1: That's why we listen to NPR's Throughline. This is a podcast that appeals to us on so many levels. As history buffs, we love their historical contextualization of important, ongoing issues. As storytellers, we love the engaging way they approach and often humanize complicated tales. As news consumers who want to stay informed, we love the way they give the story behind the big stories of the day. We try
0: to take a similar approach on the murder sheet, and we feel confident that our listeners would enjoy giving NPR's Throughline a try.
1: We've been going through their entire backlog recently, listening to them as we drive to source meetings. One favorite of mine was their episode about Andrew Johnson's impeachment. Throughline's coverage didn't disappoint delving in depth into one of history's worst U.S. presidents.
0: They also did an episode which is rather pertinent to our work, and that was the one they did about the proliferation of conspiracy theories and how they've always been part of America's DNA. That's something I think about quite a lot, given the creep of misinformation and manipulation in online true crime spaces.
1: NPR's throughline is a source we trust. They're all about nuance and depth and unpacking the messiness behind outwardly simple stories.
0: Go back in time. Learn something new. Emerge more knowledgeable about today's headlines. Listen now to Throughline from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad free true crime. That's Amazon.com slash ad free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the murder of children. So tomorrow is going to be a big day in the Delphi case. There will be a public hearing in the case against Richard Allen, the man who stands accused of two counts of murder. Uh, the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. We wanted to touch base with you tonight because there have been a couple of pretty big uh, filings in the case. Some motions have been filed. And we wanted to talk about those now before they get lost in the shuffle tomorrow. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm
0: Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney.
1: We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together... We built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet.
0: Now we maintain that same research centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders.
1: We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews.
0: We're The Murder Sheet.
1: And this is The Delphi Murders, Defense and Media Motions. So just to give you all a sense, Kevin and I are actually currently in Lafayette, Indiana, which is a city nearby Delphi. We're preparing to go to the hearing tomorrow in person. And as we were doing our drive up here from the Indianapolis area, we saw a few, kind of a flurry of filings appear on my case, and we decided we ought to kind of hop on the microphones and talk about that as soon as possible.
0: Uh, Perhaps the most significant of these filings Was one that was prepared by the two lawyers who are representing Richard Allen, who, of course, is the man who stands accused of committing these murders.
1: And those two lawyers are Brad Rossi of Logansport and Andrew Joseph Baldwin of Franklin, Indiana. These are the two court-appointed defense attorneys who will be defending Allen from these two very serious charges
0: and we would assume that both these men will be in court tomorrow to represent Allen's interest at in the hearing tomorrow, which is to determine whether or not the probable cause affidavit in this case remains sealed. And of course, the probable cause affidavit is the document which would contain all of the evidence against Allen, which led to his arrest. And they made a reference to this affidavit in the motion they filed uh, this afternoon. It it was a petition to seek uh, bail for Richard Allen. And I'm going to read exactly what it says here. They say, The defense has received and reviewed the probable cause affidavit that, as of the time of the filing of this motion, has been sealed. That because neither the proof of guilt is evident, Nor the presumption of guilt strong, the accused is seeking a hearing to release the accused on his own recognizance or, in the alternative, to set a reasonable bail. In other words, they're saying they don't believe the evidence that is in this affidavit, which is of this date, we have not seen, the public has not seen. They're saying whatever is in there is not strong enough to indicate that Allen is actually guilty. These comments that the defense attorneys make about the probable cause affidavit and what they identify is the lack of evidence against their client in that affidavit, these are defense attorneys. So they're not going to say, oh, you got us. (laughs) No. (laughs) He really is guilty. They're going to try to spin things as much as possible in a way that would benefit their client. With that said, it seems pretty strong to go in and say, the evidence to go in and say the evidence is not there to the extent that he should be released without even giving him bail.
1: So maybe before we go further into talking about this specific instance, can you talk about probable causes and what they include, what they don't include? What would be a strong probable cause versus a weak probable cause?
0: Well, a probable cause affidavit doesn't necessarily include every bit of evidence against someone. What it is is basically an argument that someone in law enforcement is making to a judge. In other words, police or whoever are going to a judge and saying, we think this person is guilty, and here's why we think he's guilty. And so then if the judge agrees, yes, there is a probable cause to arrest this person, the person can be arrested.
1: So like an example, a silly example would be if I say Kevin Greenlee stole my bicycle and a detective goes to your house and sees a bicycle fitting my description in the front yard in plain view and you've posted all over social media about how you stole it, then that would be maybe the first step. But maybe they find more evidence later that they include in a trial if, it, yeah. if you plead not guilty to the theft. Right. Is that A silly example, but I'm just trying to break it down of like what they mean, because I think that's important when you have then the defense basically saying it's not very strong.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So you mentioned the significance of them asking for him to be released on his own recognizance. Would there be a, a defense attorney if they're up against a strong probable cause affidavit? Would they behave differently?
0: Typically, uh, attorneys don't want to make motions in front of a judge that would be frivolous or motions that have absolutely no chance of being granted because that would make the judge uh, come to disregard your motions and maybe not take them as seriously as they should.
1: So like a boy who cried wolf thing, like you can't you can't just keep on asking for the maximum benefit for your client if the facts don't support that.
0: Right, and I also I think it's worth noting, generally speaking, you wouldn't expect a person to who has been charged with something as serious as multiple homicides to be released like that. But uh, one of the attorneys in this case recently represented someone accused of a triple homicide, and they found some flaws in that case and were able to get him released with an ankle bracelet.
1: So your feeling is that this this is this is certainly a move that could indicate how the defense feels about the evidence against their client at this point, that they seem pretty confident.
0: They seem pretty confident that the state has not produced in the probable cause affidavit a strong argument that Richard Allen is guilty of these murders.
1: Okay, so it's certainly possibly a concerning development for everybody who's looking to see justice in this case. But at the same time, you and I and the public do not know what is in the probable cause affidavit. So once that comes out uh, at some point, maybe maybe people will be able to analyze that a little bit more straightforwardly as opposed to sort of conjecture, which is all we have now because we've not seen that probable cause. Yeah,
0: if we had this probable cause affidavit, we could sit here and we could all analyze it and discuss it and decide whether or not the arguments put forth by the defense attorneys have merit. But of course, uh, the state in this case has made the unprecedented uh, choice to keep all that information hidden from the public.
1: Now, one thing about this case is that, um, you know, I mean, people certainly the murder of two young girls and the devastation that their deaths have wrought. I think that makes a lot of people just feel sick to their stomachs. The idea of someone who may be credibly accused of that walking to some extent, even if it's just, you know, before a trial. My question would be, what sort of factors would a judge have to weigh in whether or not to grant bail or grant being released on your own recognizance?
0: Uh, Typically, a judge would look at things like the seriousness of the charge, uh, whether or not the person is a flight risk, and whether or not the case against that person is strong or weak.
1: Now, Judge Diener, Judge Benjamin Diener of Carroll County, who is, of course, the previous judge on this case, he actually filed a rather bizarre motion much earlier on. Feels like years ago, because this this whole thing just seems to take one turn after another. Um, basically saying that he felt uh, that the defendant was in jeopardy because the public is too interested in this case, essentially, which you and I both were uh, found pretty bizarre and inappropriate. But let's just forget that for a second and talk about, you know, would a judge keep a defendant in jail for their own protection?
0: A judge might keep a defendant in jail for their own protection if the defendant makes such a request. The judge just can't go around saying, well, I think this person would be better off in jail, so I'm going to keep this person in jail. The defendant has to make that request.
1: And so I guess the the big question I think a lot of people will have after reading this, you know, filing and, and hearing about this is, does this mean that Richard Allen is getting out of jail?
0: Richard Allen faces some very serious charges. And no point in this motion are the defense attorneys asking for those charges to be dismissed or even asking for him to be released from custody. If he got bail, if he got released on his own recognizance, he would still be under the purview of the court. Uh, I would not expect him to be released from custody altogether.
1: Okay. So I think that's just important context for everyone to keep while going forward. I think it's important for us all as we're covering this, as we're following along, to keep an open mind. And that's about every angle, whether it's, you know, everybody is innocent until proven guilty or, you know, what exactly does law enforcement have in this case or what's going to happen? Are there going to be further arrests down the road? Is this a, do they believe it's a lone actor? I think we all just have to kind of be in a state where we're looking for those answers, but we're not making up our minds at this date because it just seems we have a, we don't have all the information on a number of fronts.
0: Yes, innocent until proven guilty means something. We all very, very, very much want there to be justice for Abby and Libby in this case. And justice means that the person or persons responsible for their deaths be held accountable in a court of law. Now, if... Richard Allen is in fact responsible for their deaths, then yes, we all want him to be held accountable. But if they, but if by some chance he is not the guilty party, we do not want.
1: The wrong person to be going yes. down for this. Cause that would just be a double tragedy. You'd have the loss of these two girls and, and an, an innocent man possibly being condemned for it. And you know, nobody wants that. So, we just stress to everyone, let's all keep our minds open. It, it's certainly okay to to talk about this and to discuss and, you know, e- even some speculation. We all have to do it because we all have limited facts. But we should probably keep the absolute, you know, hardcore judgments or conclusions down until we have a little bit more information, which um, segues nicely into the next filing we're going to talk about that came out.
0: Mysteries are at the heart of everything we do here on the Murder Sheet.
2: But sometimes it's more fun to dive into a fictional caper. That's why we love the free to download hidden object game, June's Journey. This game is our daily escape from waiting around in line, getting stuck on hold, and just general doldrums.
0: It is great to be able to just knock out a few levels here and there. You get to discover your inner sleuth and sharpen your observational skills by finding clues hidden in each level. Plus, it's like dropping straight into your own cozy mystery novel.
2: You play as June Parker, an amateur detective with a nose for trouble. You get to tackle all kinds of bizarre crimes, across a series of elegant and memorable locales. Also, you have a side hustle decorating your own island estate. I love that. I bought a swan pond.
0: She really did. Download this game for a built-in work break. It's a great mental health boost that makes you feel accomplished before you get back to tackling whatever task you have at hand.
2: And remember, when you support our advertisers, you're supporting our show. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Welcome to your next true crime obsession. Don't miss new BritBox original drama, The Sixth Commandment, which The Guardian calls as immaculate a piece of TV as you will ever see.
1: You will hear evidence of extreme gaslighting. Help me, please. I am going to be waiting on you, hand and foot.
2: Stream this plus the best selection of British true crime series anywhere, only on BritBox. Once you start investigating, you won't be able to turn away. Start streaming today with a free trial at BritBox.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
2: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
0: So the other filings that were made in the court were basically a filing by attorneys representing several media organizations, and they pertain to the highly unusual fact that the probable cause affidavit in this case has been sealed.
1: So to take a few steps back to some of our previous coverage, we did speak to a legal expert about that. And what, what he told us basically was that the state is within their rights to do this, but what he and every other lawyer we've talked to in Indiana since then, off the record, on the record, on background Uh, has been that it's really weird (laughs) it's really unusual that they did it this way so you know and and here's the thing when you when you're doing something rather unusual even if you're technically within your rights to do so um there's going to be scrutiny on that and there's going to be people asking you to justify that decision you can't the state cannot just necessarily say snap their fingers and say well this is you know, better for us if we keep it quiet, you have to, you know, a judge has to sign off on that essentially. And what we're seeing in this filing is essentially local media outlets essentially saying, well, we don't think this is justified and here's why we think it should be released.
0: And I can't stress how unusual this is. And when you talk to people about it, Behind the scenes, there are some concerns that in this case since the arrest, there was a time when the public was not told what specific charges Allen faced. There wasn't even a record of the case in my case for several days. Uh, We do not know where Allen is being held in prison. He went several weeks without having any attorneys whatsoever. Uh, All of the evidence against him has been kept secret. The original judge in this case sort of unusually recused himself. Uh, Taken together, many people feel that these facts don't really build a lot of confidence in the case against Allen or in how it's currently being handled.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to kind of circle back to that at the end as well, because I think it's important to note that, you know, throughout this case, there's been, you know, sort of narratives that kind of flow through things almost like little currents. And sometimes they're going one way, sometimes they're going another way. And I think they're important for peop for investigators to note, and they think they're inf- important for law enforcement to note, because I mean, unfortunately, we have had things in the past where like, you know, outright conspiracy theories have taken hold. And um, one way to combat that, we feel, is to publicly disclose information. I mean, Kevin and I have been very much from the beginning saying, you know, probably the best path that everyone kind of can sign off on is a redacted version of the probable cause affidavit where witness names and possibly sensitive details are taken out and the rest of the information is allowed to see the sunshine and so people get some information maybe not all of it right away but that's kind of a nice compromise and something that probably should have been done immediately and it, and i say that because i think we were willing to have 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 some benefit of the doubt but the fact that um you know superintendent Doug Carter of the ISP went on WYBC recently very good in-depth interview definitely check it out but He kind of was saying that, you know, at this point, it it would be okay if the probable cause was released. And I think... That makes me wonder... Yeah, why was it... (laughs) Yeah,
0: if Doug Carter, who should know, believes that the probable cause affidavit can be unsealed without damaging the investigation, then why was it ever sealed in the first place?
1: And it just feels like maybe there should be some consideration about, you know, putting out information in a way that keeps the focus On Abby and Libby keeps the focus on their case and eliciting actionable tips that can help solicit, you know, help uh, get justice in this case. That should be the focus. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be a lot of confusion about, well, what what is going on exactly?
0: It's very important to have transparency and accountability in government You know, if if the government wants to put a stoplight at the end of your block, you can very easily go and get access to all of the information pertaining to how they made that decision, as you should. But the power the government has to take away a person's liberty, the power the government has to put a person in prison and charge them with serious crimes, that is the most important power a government has. It's the most frightening power. A government has. And so it becomes incredibly important that the people be able to see and understand how the government chooses to use that power and what factors influence the decisions they make about using that power.
1: So that being said, let's go into this media filing.
0: Uh, The filing is actually very well put together. It uh, mentions that there are constitutional issues in stake here because the, you know, certainly the First Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, say that the public is entitled to judicial documents. They also say in this uh, document that uh, probable cause affidavits are essential judicial records, uniquely worthy of disclosure. They contain key facts uncovered in criminal investigations which are insulated from public involvement and ultimately result in the state's charging decisions. The public has a strong interest knowing why the state is charging a particular member of the community for alleged crimes.
1: So, yeah, yeah, I mean, all that's pretty self-evident, I think. And we've said before that, you know, everybody wants a justice in this case. People, Members of the media, members of law enforcement. There can be disagreement between those two parties on how to get that. And you know that's understandable. It, it it seems, I mean, and and tomorrow's hearing is ostensibly all about this issue: are they going to release the probable cause or not? So the media is obviously very much on the side of release it. Uh, at this point, I would say that we are we are very much hoping for uh, some sort of release. Again, given what superintendent, given what superintendent. Carter said publicly, especially about not not harming the case. If it's not going to be harmful to the case, and if maybe a few redactions could reduce issues around witnesses or or whatnot, sensitive details that need to be held back, then I think more information to the public would help answer a lot of questions at this point and and questions that need to be answered. Um, I again, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I love how this was handled necessarily from a media standpoint, as I kind of alluded to earlier, because it seems like from the beginning, a lot of the talk has been about, well, what's going on? What's the probable cause as opposed to, you know, keeping everyone's eye on the ball, which is, you know, ultimately justice for Libby and Abby. And I don't know. It's odd.
0: The document that these attorneys filed also contains uh, a great point that public access serves is a public accountability tool. And basically, that means if police and prosecutors know that their work will be checked by the public, they will be extra careful.
1: Yeah, the the media is an important aspect of holding any public body accountable. I mean, that's that's sort of the whole point of the press. I think sometimes that can get lost. And certainly, you know, there are instances where, where the press you know, does not live up to that. But I mean, in general, when it's doing its job, it's essentially ensuring that people's liberties uh, are being respected and that uh, things are going as they should. And when you have a, a situation where there's a news desert, either in a certain geographic location or about a certain case, that can be a problem because then, you know, you look back years later and there were a bunch of things that were wrong or nobody was asking questions and, you know, you certainly don't want to see that because I, I think, you know, that, that's that's kind of antithetical to a democratic society. You need to have the press being able to report things to people and allowing them to make up their minds. Nobody here is saying in the media that, you know, the case file needs to be released and like all the holdback information in the case needs to be released. That's certainly, certainly not the case here, but um, it does seem fair to at least say that, this probable cause affidavit that would be typically released in any other situation should be released in some form.
0: Yes, and if police and prosecutors know that they can charge people without the charging information becoming public and without being held accountable for those choices, maybe they'd eventually get sloppy.
1: Yeah, that sort of sets a pretty horrible precedent. I just don't under, again, I don't know what... I don't understand why this wasn't released in the first place. So we, you know, it, I get I guess I don't know. It seems pretty easy to identify aspects of an affidavit that could be problematic and just, you know, put put some black boxes over those and send it out to everybody. I don't I don't know why it's come to this hearing at this point given other things that have been, you know, said in the media since since this came out. You know, I think we were Definitely amenable to it at first, but it's it's been a while and it just kind of feels like it's it's taken up so much of the oxygen in the room, so to speak. so just so you get a sense, the different associations and companies that were behind that filing were um, the, the attorneys essentially for the Indiana Broadcasters Association, the Hoosier State Press Association, the Associated Press, Circle City Broadcasting. Um, A.K.A. Wish TV, E.W. Scripps Company, A.K.A. WRTV, Next Star Biz- Next Star Media, A.K.A. WXIN, WTTV, Newhoff Media Lafayette, Woofboom Radio, Tegna, A.K.A. WTHR, Gannett Satellite Information, Indiana Newspapers, A.K.A. The Indianapolis Star. And American broadcasting companies, AKA ABC News. So that's kind of everybody who sort of came together to to file this essentially. Um I guess I keep on alluding to the fact that I don't don't know why this, you know, was sort of has come to this. And I guess what I'm sort of specifically alluding to is one thing Kevin and I talked about when amongst ourselves when we were driving up here as we were sort of first reading these motions is the defense attorneys seemed pretty smart to you know ensure that their filing seemingly was released on the eve of this hearing because basically all everyone's talking about right now is the defense thinks it's a really weak case and that's setting a tone that's a very savvy media strategy. I guess it's possible they did this by accident. I don't think it was an accident. I think that was purposely timed. And the prosecution, law enforcement, everybody who's put in so much effort into this investigation and getting justice for Abby and Libby, you know, there should be kind of an understanding that this is something that is heavily covered. There's a lot of eyes on this. And allowing you know the narrative to be set by sort of you know being secret being secretive and then having you know the defense be able to come out and say well there's not much here i mean i i don't know that just seems kind of problematic to me and and and, and kind of uh kind of concerning because i i mean maybe it shouldn't be ultimately a case is a case and and facts are facts and You know, a judge is going to rule based on the law and a jury should be deciding based on facts and, you know, whether or not the state meets the burden of proof they need to to convict somebody. But in terms of how this is being handled in the media, how this is playing out publicly, that that kind of requires some understanding that, you know, if something should be released, it should just be released. It shouldn't be, you know, you can't just hide the hot potato somewhere else until it comes out. So, I mean, we don't know. I mean, maybe the defense is overstepping with this motion. It just it just feels like at the very least the people who filed that motion seem to understand, you know, the game.
0: Uh, and so with that said, tomorrow morning there's going to be a hearing in this case. We will be there, and sometime tomorrow afternoon we'll slip over to the library in Delphi and record and release an episode about what happened and what we think about it.
1: Thanks so much for following along and we'll see you all then.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the murder sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities.
1: If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murder sheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murder sheet. We very much appreciate any support.
0: Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com.
1: If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet Discussion Group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening.